Your coast-to-coast source for wedding planning and info is live. Live. The WeddingZilla Podcast. The WeddingZilla Podcast. Everything and everyone you need to hear while planning your wedding. Or even just thinking about it. The WeddingZilla Podcast. Featuring interviews and advice from some of the top professionals in the wedding industry. Connect. Facebook. Instagram. Connect on Facebook and Instagram. At The WeddingZilla. At The WeddingZilla. And even submit ideas for future episodes. Welcome to the Weddingzilla Podcast. Hello, hello. This is Wyatt Hill from Ventura, California, here with my friend DJ Matt Johnson from the Northern Virginia, Washington, D.C. market. How you doing, Matt? I'm doing excellent. Thank you. Just had a birthday yesterday, so I'm just moving on down the road here. My journey's continuing. <laughs> so you're what, uh, 23 again? Yeah, I'm somewhere around there. Yeah, that's what I kind of thought. That's what I kind of thought. So before we get into things, uh, Matt, I, I think we probably, you know, we did our first episode uh, and I, I felt, you know, we kind of discussed maybe we should just talk a little bit about ourselves. Who are these two people talking about weddings like they know what's going on? Mm-hmm. So let's, uh, Matt, how did you get started in weddings? Oh, well, I'll tell you, it's kind of an interesting story. At least I think so. Um, I didn't start out as a DJ. I actually started out as an entertainer. Um, for years, I did um, here in the Washington, D.C., although I'm originally from New Jersey, uh, living here. Um, I started my dance career here and um, studied uh, classical ballet, tap, and jazz. And um, I ended up doing a TV show in the Washington, D.C. area. I was on after Pee Wee Herman. Can you believe it? Back in the day when Pee Wee Herman was quite a big item. And it was like a teen education show, and I played a character on there, and I did that for about four years and continued on with um, my musical theater career. Been around music all my life. I come from a musical family. Grandmother was a pianist. Her brothers were violin, concert violinist, and there's a lot of um, musicality in my family. My aunt was a music teacher, and my brother's sing and play all sorts of instruments. So I was the one who really couldn't do anything, you know, didn't play an instrument, didn't sing. And so, you know, I began dancing and acting and um, I moved up to New York and uh, landed my first uh, Broadway tour, actually, which was West Side Story, phenomenal show. And actually, Steven Spielberg, I believe, is in the middle of doing a remake of it. I hope he does well with that. And um, I began my musical theater career. And, um, you know, had a good journey, played the lead in the chorus line among many other shows on the road. Saw the country many times, traveled, met some incredible, fascinating, talented people along the way. So I've been around music all my life. You know, even when I was a kid, I roadied in a, a rock and roll band that my brother was in when I was 16. And I remember looking at all the people on the stage and going, wow, wow. Like, I wish, I wish I had a talent, you know, that I could be up there doing something. Um, but I didn't have a talent. So talent comes from work, really, from sweat, because no matter who's on the stage, they've worked for it. Um, it. It rarely happens by a natural gift. Of course, there are people out there who do have a natural gift of maybe Barbara Streisand just opens her mouth and sings, but it's still work. Ultimately, you're still going to you know, work on it. Um, so um, this story was I was out of work one summer at the Jersey Shore. I was living in New York, commuting back and forth, you know, going to auditions. And I met a band named Michael Walter, who runs a very successful company in New Jersey. <clears throat> He's very well known throughout the industry. 
and um, met him at a network party where he was DJing. And Mike said, oh, so, you know, you sing, you dance, you can speak on a microphone. Um, maybe you'd make a good wedding DJ. I thought to myself, no, nah, I don't think so. It's not the direction I'm kind of moving in. So um, I was out of work that summer, so I had nothing to lose. Mike said, why don't you come by my office just to have a chat with me, which I did. And uh, he kind of talked me into it, said, uh, why don't you start some training? And I started as an assistant working on the weekend. Well, at the Jersey Shore, believe me, they do a lot of weddings down there. You know, people from northern Jersey and New York come down and Long Island, Staten Island. And they run a very successful industry down there. And I saw, I was like overwhelmed the first time I saw a Jersey wedding. I was like, oh my God, this is crazy. Um, you know, what the DJs did and the work that they put into it. So um, I started training once a week. Mike had training once a week. Every Thursday you go in, you train, train, train. And every weekend you worked as an assistant. So you learned pretty rapidly. And then I landed another tour of a course line. So I went out on the road for nine months. And I got off the bus and the phone rang again. There was Mike Walter going, hey, come on, you ready? Come back, Matt, come and DJ. So I went through another brief training program just to kind of get the rust off and um, started DJing weddings and I uh, never stopped. Moved here to the Washington, D.C. area. And then one year I got a bug and said, you know, I think I want to go to Vegas too. And I packed my bags, went to Vegas. I DJed some weddings there. Wasn't particularly happy with it though for a number of reasons. Nothing against Vegas. Love you, Vegas. Love you, baby. But um, decided to come back. And I've been here and been um, DJing weddings ever since. Um, I like that I have a, you know, a background in music and theater and television and dance though. Um, I think it's helped me a lot as a DJ to understand dance because ultimately DJs play for other people to dance. I'm pretty well schooled in Latin as well. Latin music. I love to salsa, merengue, bachata, cumbia. Travel to Latin countries when I get a, the opportunity to, which is um, quite often, and learn more about their culture and their music as well. So here I am, wedding DJ. So Matt, like what? Wyatt. Tell me a little bit about you, where you began. Well, I... And how we met. I I started doing, uh, uh, you know, DJing actually here in the Ventura County market, and I really didn't really start out to be a DJ. I had a ton of CDs, lots of CDs, because I I always loved music, and I, you know, I I, I got a couple of people found out that I had lots of of music, and they wanted me. They they invited me to this uh, club, and um, and it was uh, actually it was uh, 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 Vince Four, who was a a popular house DJ actually back in the day here. And uh, he wanted uh, to play something other than house. He got tired of, of just playing the same old, you know, oosh, day in, day oosh, out. Oosh. Exactly, exactly. And uh, so he invited me and I had CDs. And of course, they were spinning turntables. So it was a little bit more difficult. Uh, and then I said, well, why do I invest a little bit of money in some equipment? So I invested some money in equipment and I got the new Pioneer, the CDJ 1000s or whatever where he could play, you know, where you could actually scratch with CDs and stuff like that. But then, uh, you know, my, really my skills weren't that great. So uh, I, I ended up just being pretty much the, I, I was very reliable was, was the kind of the key thing that they loved about me. So I would uh, provide equipment and uh, set all the equipment gear up for clubs that they would wanted to perform at that didn't you know, kind of didn't have their own house systems, if you will. But, uh, but we were regularly there. So I would always every Friday and Saturday night set the gear up and, uh, 
you know, I, I would play and uh, in the in the beginning before before the, you know, the, the main DJ showed up and then they come to a point where sometimes that main DJ was, well, let's face it, they were always late. So um, then again, I got to play a little bit more, play a little bit more. And then before you know it, I, w- I was, uh, you know, spinning, you know, in, in different clubs and stuff. But then I, you know, my, you know, my really the DJ thing is really my kind of my, uh, my my side hustle, if you will. Mm-hmm. So then I moved away and I, I w- with the Navy wasn't in the Navy. I can't really say, you know, take the, the, the cred for being in the Navy because that's a, that's a completely different thing. But uh, but I, I, I worked for the Navy and I actually you know run retail stores, you know, for a living. And then I uh, moved to the Washington, D.C. market after being overseas. And uh, uh, I got I, I applied for something on Craigslist because with uh, doing DJ and weddings and stuff like that. And actually, I got paired up with you, Matt. I. I was your assistant for what a year and a half. Yes, you did. And uh, man, I, I honestly I miss those times because we really had a great time. Uh, and, and I would say out of my DJ career, that was that was pretty fun because we actually had uh, really good times, and we actually we we put out some great weddings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did knock them out. Uh, and so I, I fell in love with doing weddings. So what I did was is uh, I kind of continued it. I kind of honed my skills as you know as you you know suggested, and I I actually got training from uh, Mike Walter out of at the New Jersey market too as well. I got some one on one training. Yeah, he's like everywhere. I mean, like I, r- r- really, he's the. I mean, when it comes to training, uh, he is he's definitely on top. Yeah, I think he so, has a twin brother out there just uh, helping him do all the work that he does right right well now he also does that phdj you know workshop which we both went to with joe yeah. bunn so yeah. uh mike has certainly um, been a big influence in my career and i think that's one of the things i you know on our first podcast we talked about training and and it i sometimes i don't think it you know when you ask a dj you know how many weddings have you done it's how many successful weddings have you done Sure, and, yeah. and I think, and I think that's kind of the difference between you know a, a great DJ and a so-so DJ, and I, and I and you also hit the na- one thing when you were speaking was is you you talked about entertaining. You were an entertainer first, yeah. And mm-hmm. I, and I'm not saying uh, you know you you're, when you hire a DJ that you're hiring a comic or you're hiring you know someone. Oh, hey, ladies and gentlemen, hi, I'm the DJ. You know, it's it's nothing like that. I think it's more of you know, with between music, between emceeing, between moving the party along, uh, playing the right tracks at the right time, you know, play selection, I think makes a big difference. And then w- one key factor, which I learned a lot from you on, was is the ability to, I mean, there's people that are scared to get out there and, and dance. And some of their fear, just as well as my fears, I don't know how to, you know, I didn't know how to do the wobble or do how to do the Cupid shuffle. And I'm not saying... Every party requires, you know, to play those tracks because I, I there's so, some couples that 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 there's just no way they don't, that's a, a definitely a do not play, but there's definitely some parties where the you know that interactiveness helps, and that's where you shine in as an entertainer is if your uh, versatility, if you will, being able to get on the dance floor, perform those dances, or be able to lead those dances, I should say. So, because I, you know, the, the, the limelight's not on me. It's just me showing people how to do it. And then once I get them going, then I'm stepping off the dance floor to get the next track ready. Yeah, it's just a tool you have in your back pocket to sometimes jumpstart the party, get it going, ignite them, let them know that they're there to celebrate and have a good time. It's just a tool in your back pocket. Um, you know, I've never understood some DJs that'll just say, oh, I don't do something cheesy like that. It's like, well, first of all, 
I don't consider myself to be cheesy at all. Second of all, not every client wants that. And if they don't want it, I certainly don't do it. But when it's needed, it gets done and it gets done correctly. Um, at least as being a professional dancer and a performer, to me, there's nothing worse than pressing play to whatever line dance and, and people aren't, aren't even on the right count on the right beat. You know, it's like, to me, it's like nails on a chalkboard. So to get out there and just get them started and engage them, that's all. And then get out of the way, just get out of the way and let them have a great time. But, um, so, you know, what's today we're going to talk about a little bit. Um, isn't, um, what's our topic of the day, Wyatt? Well, I kind of wanted to touch, you know, and we're not going to be able to go in depth, but I kind of wanted to talk about, uh, you know, your DJs, you know, and and, we're, and by the way, folks, I mean, the, the first two two episodes, we, we are talking about DJ stuff or entertainment stuff, and it's really close to our both our hearts. But uh, we, we are going to talk about other things besides this on our, our, on our podcast. But uh, since we know these topics really well, we kind of wanted to start out with them. But we wanted to talk about what else can your DJ do for you besides, you know, playing music, your emceeing. You know, what other up possible upgrades your DJ could possibly offer you uh, on your journey to planning your, 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 your wedding or event? And again, not all these things are, are, are fits for every party. So just because we talk about it, it doesn't mean that you have to have it. It's just each one of these things enhances your party to a certain degree. And, and I even talk to my clients as I'm talking to them and I'm going through uh you know what is what what their vision is of that that evening or that day wedding or whatever your event is is it's trying to give the best bang for their buck what is what is going to give them the most out of it is, is that kind of what you do matt yeah absolutely we offer every upgrade um and i know you do as well photo booth up lights a dance floor lighting, uh, party props, you know, party props. Let, let's talk about party props for just a moment here. A lot of people think, Oh my God, it's really cheesy party props. You know, some people have that concept and that's fine. You look at, you know, if, if, if that's what you don't want, but I will say this, that I've never had party props at a party and people not want them. Now, maybe the bride and groom don't want them and that's their prerogative. They are entitled to not want them or not like them. But when you, you know this as well as I do, that when you have them, they can't get enough of it. They just come up, grab those foam sticks, those little uh, rings that glow, the neon necklaces, and they do some very creative things with them on the dance floor. And they enhance a party. Just remember, it's a celebration. It's a party. It's about fun. So people have fun with things, right? You know, if you go to amusement park, oh my God, I had so much fun. You had fun doing what? Well, I was on the roller coaster and I went on the water slide. So you did something. It wasn't, you didn't stand there and just look at everybody. So when you have things that enhance a party, um, well, there's party props, uh, dance floor lighting, Photo booth, photo booth. People cut loose at a photo booth. I, every I've never, I've never DJed an event where there's photo where people didn't have fun. Even if they didn't dance a lot, they were. Where are they? Oh, they're over at the photo booth. So, I, I think I understand that it's not in everybody's budget. I I, I still get that. Um, it's one of the reasons I don't drive a Ferrari. It's just not in my budget. Not yet, anyway. I'm working on. It. I got to sell more party props. But, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay, that'll happen. Um, so, you know, so how'd you get your Ferrari, Matt? Oh, I sold more party props. I, I upsold a whole lot of party props. <laughs> that'd be a whole lot of party props, wouldn't it? Oh, that'd, that'd be, be a lot of party props. Yeah. So, um, 
you know, but I, I would say that everybody wants uplighting. They want it. Not everybody can, you know, afford it in their budget, but they want it enhances any room. It can not even be a really great room, but it enhances it, you know, by the color or, um, you know, once the dance floor opens up, start playing with the color a little bit. But um, I, I think ultimately a DJ helps them with their vision. You know, ask them what their vision is. We shouldn't we shouldn't push our vision for their wedding on them. We need to listen, listen to these um, newlyweds uh, to be out there and listen to what they want, and then see what's in their budget and fill the gaps with what we have. You know, as upgrades. And that's correct. And let's, for instance, since you brought up uplighting, for instance, I, you know, now that I'm out here in California, I mean, my number one upgrade when I was in the Washington D.C. market, specifically, most of the weddings I did were, or we, you know, do in, in on the on the East Coast is uh, most of the weddings are indoors. So selling uplighting is almost, I mean, I I, I think what before I left, I think I was batting about ninety percent was how often I was selling uplighting. So when a couple didn't get uplighting, I was like, what really? Um, but I can tell you, being out here in California, there's lots of outdoor weddings, mm -hmm. and uh, the majority of my weddings are outdoors now. Where uplighting is not not the biggest is is not the thing. I mean, yes, I get to uplight a few trees now and then. I get to update maybe update uh, uplight some structures. Right, uplight. but you don't have that closed in kind of square rectangle room to uplight the walls and the corners and maybe some pillars or some. No, I, I don't have the rave like that anymore, but what, but what is very popular out here is lanterns, you know? So I have an option for uh, lanterns with uh, uh rechargeable battery use that I put in. They're extremely bright compared to compared to candles and plus candles catch fire and my lights don't, but uh, also string lights, string lights are huge and, and trying to do color lighting with string lights and you want that glowy effect that it, underneath the stars and I, I you know it's just really difficult sometimes to sell I, I, I don't see in a lot of my couples vision to having all these crazy colors with you know uh, beautiful you know uh, market lights where you're underneath the stars dancing and and I, I, I think there's just a little bit different ambiance so again when we talk about upgrades and and you know what not just about budget but also about you know vision and there's there's two different visions you have indoor stuff you can do indoors or stuff you can do outdoors and there's stuff you can do both indoors and outdoors and swing it back to the props you know <laughs> i worked for a company for a short while that uh, you know the owner was hugely against props and i could never i i could i would scratch my head all the time i'm like i put props in their hands and people go crazy and I, I, and again, props to me are, are are a tool, and I think Matt, you use it kind of as a tool too, because we just don't put them out willy nilly. You, there's actually a, I put them out at specific songs at specific times during the night because there's a certain effect. Yeah, once they get party rocking going on, you know. Exactly, but there's a certain effect that I'm going for. Like uh, sometimes, uh, depending on what the couple picked out for 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 music wise, I have what I call my light Latin set. And lays the the cheap lays oh, yeah. that you put out, or the maracas that make noise. I mean, I guarantee you, with that set, give lays and maracas. I won't have to say a word, and they will get into a conga line. Yeah, you it, got a conga going, conga. Pick them up, go around the room. Let's get it going. Again, right song, right time, right prop. Boom. And then, Matt, how many times from a photo booth do you see people out on the dance floor with the photo booth props? 
Oh yeah, they they like swipe them off the table. That's why you have a photo booth attendant, so they don't swipe all the props from uh, the table. Got to keep them near the photo booth. But yeah, they they'll snatch that stuff and go. People, you know, it's it's once a party gets started and people loosen up. You know, a lot of people when they're planning their party, if they're just sitting at the dinner table like stone sober, which which is a good thing to do. But when you get to an event and there's a hundred, two hundred, three hundred people. And you get past dinner and people have, you know, eaten dinner and had a couple glasses of wine or so, they've loosened up by now. And then once the music starts and you're you're firing up that crowd, you put a party prop in their hand, they just take it to a whole nother level. And that's what people we see it as DJs, you know, at weddings doing this. It's hard to envision when you're sitting at your kitchen table in your living room envisioning it. You know, you're like, hmm, don't know if that'll work. I'm flat out saying it's never not worked. It's never not. Meaning what I mean by that is that if you have 50 people at a wedding, 20 people will use it. If you have 100 people, 50 people will use it. 50 people, half of that room will go for those party props. And now you got a party, you know? It just, uh, like I said, people get uh, pretty creative um with the party props. And then if you have up lighting added onto it and dance floor lighting, you really have an atmosphere of, um, and a photo booth. You really have the atmosphere of, Hey, this is a real party and a celebration and you can get lost among the crowd pretty easily doing whatever you want to do, whether it's getting goofy in front of the photo booth or just a little crazy and having some fun on dance floor. And really that's what people remember at the end of the day. They remember like, Oh my God, we had so much fun. You know, at this wedding, the DJ was fun. The music was great. Oh, my God. Look at the pictures of us with those crazy party props. You know, the party rock sunglasses that have LED lights in them now. That is crazy. You know, I mean, the party props have come such a long way than what they were 15 or 20 years ago. When they incorporate, you know, LED lighting into, you know, some of these like wigs people put on, uh, the sunglasses, um, the foam sticks that can do all kinds of wacky things. Well, uh, just think about the technology. And, and again, this is usually much, much higher than most people's budgets. But if you've been to a Taylor Swift concert, or I even saw recently on uh, on an Instagram post where they went to uh, uh, a Latin concert uh, and they had the bracelets that glow. And of course, they absolutely. I've seen this. Yeah, it's incredible. And and yeah. of course, there's someone behind that that's controlling them so that they flash different colors at certain times. And in fact, you actually can engage the crowd when you when it's green, you wave your hands in the air. When it's pink, you put your hands down or you put your hands up or whatever. And again, those are party props. They glow. People eat that stuff up. And yeah, and, no, it's, they should develop like a headband. It does the same thing. So it's like on everybody's head, right? That would be kind of cool. There's yeah, nothing really be, yeah. they can't do. I mean, they're just yeah. doing some incredible things with the LED lighting. I know I just got LED lights in my car. I put them that are much brighter. Anyway, it has nothing to do with party props, but um, right, 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 right. It's LED. So we, we you know, we we just got done talking about. We talked a little bit about lighting. We talked about party props. We talked about playing the right music at the right time. So when it comes to you know r- really your DJ, and that's why when we I th- originally when we talked a little bit on the last episode, we talked about uh, you know not giving your DJ. And we talked a little bit lightly about it, but not giving your DJ every single song because I don't want every single song. Help! I want you to give me a gist of what you're looking for, and I'll fill in the blanks because. 
you know, I want to create that atmosphere for you. And I, you know, and that's why you're also hiring us because we're pros, because we've done this. We, this is what we do. I mean, I, you know, I, I do about 50, 60 weddings a, a, a year. Matt, how many weddings do you do a year? Um, lately it's been like 70, 68, 70, 75, somewhere around there. So, I mean, with that experience of doing all those weddings and then think about how many weddings maybe you as a wedding couple have been to, you know, it's probably much less than that. So, you know, we kind of, you know, have an idea, but again, we, we do want to listen specifically. We want to listen to what's important to you. We definitely want to take action on, on those things and, and, and make those things happen. But the party props, you know, uh, the emotions that run that day, you know, playing the right track at the right time. Those all those things roll up into a great event. Yeah, and and like I said, most of the clients I sit down with, it's like, well, what do you really? Want? Oh, well, you know, I want everybody to have fun. And they said, well, we've never done this before. It's like, okay, so you you kind of you know ask them some questions first to kind of get where they're at. Every once in a while, you get a client like, look, I've been to ten weddings in the past uh, two years, and I'll tell you exactly what I want. You know, okay. Um, they know exactly what they want, but that's not the norm. The normal person is open to other things. And actually a lot of them are nervous. They're apprehensive because they want things to go well, but they, they don't exactly know. Now, sometimes they'll know what they don't want. They've been to a wedding. They thought the DJ maybe was overbearing or underbearing. It was too quiet. Didn't, you know, things didn't flow well. The timeline wasn't running right. So, um, then you know, figure out where they're at and then what they want and then just help them, um, guide them through that. Um, you know, because on any given night, as you know, you could have a, a set plan. This is what we want, blah, 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 blah. And then that night it goes in completely different direction than what they envisioned. Oh, and we've or, seen we've seen that together where we we were planning on playing this and we ended up playing something something completely different. I mean, it doesn't happen often, but it does happen. No, but, well, hopefully the client gives you that leeway to say, hey, hey, look, if if if, if you know, um, you know, if it, if we want to go in this direction, but it doesn't, you know, I think most of the clients will will say to me, hey, Matt, we trust you, we trust you, you know, you you've you've understood what our vision is. Give it your best shot, and if not, fill in the blanks and let it run. Just make sure everybody has a good time. And that I think I like best. Of course, I want to know what they like. I want to know what they don't like too, because I certainly don't want to drop tracks that would make them cringe or just something they don't want to hear on their special day. So, Absolutely. But most couples I talk to, it's about wedding experience for their guests. Uh, I think most couples, when I do ask them, uh, one of the questions I ask, we we ask them on our planning forms, is uh, we I, we talk a lot about different age groups. We talk about who's attending the party, and mm-hmm. I think most couples, and I and and, and Matt, you touched on this. Uh, this is one of your favorite things about DJing was is you get to play music of a different genres, different mm-hmm. eras, if you will. And oh, yeah. I guess my goal as a DJ is not only to get one segment of people out of their seats. It's not just the young people. It's to get everyone hopefully out of their seats at least once that night. So yeah. again, touching by different music groups, you know, and, and and playing, you know, the older stuff as well as the new stuff. Playing, you know, the party props hopefully gets people at, hopefully in a comfortable spot. The photo booth, you know, and obviously you know, the liquor help lubricating those people to loosen up a little bit. So you got a combination of lighting, you know, you got a combination of, 
uh, people feeling comfortable. And then if they if they don't know how to dance and there's someone out there showing them how to dance, and, they, and by all the means, I mean, I'm not a dancer by trade, but I can get out there and lead those line dances. And if someone's out there saying, oh, wow, if you can do it, maybe I can get out and do it. You know, it gets that per- one more person off out of that chair and on the dance floor instead of being on their phone the rest of the night. And that's kind of my goal as a wedding DJ. And most of my couples is to get the get your guest on the dance floor, get them doing something other than just sitting at the table on the phone. Right. Yeah, that's that's a that sometimes can be a challenge when you see everybody, you know, staring into their um their phones, you know, texting or doing whatever it is they do with it. What do you think one of the biggest changes was for Wyatt um, going from East Coast to the West Coast? Because that had to be, there had to be some um, changes that you had to make on on that level going from coast to coast. There is a lot of different changes. Uh, one is the outdoor weddings. That That's a big difference. You remember, uh, you know, you have- a lot out there, doesn't it? Uh, it, it can get hot. I mean, I, we've done some pretty hot times during in August in Simi Valley specifically. And then, you know, I was promised a tent. And of course, there was no tent. It got cut from the budget. Uh, and of course, you know, uh, equipment in the heat don't doesn't usually work too well. So trying to come up with a, a plan last minute to, to take care of that. So there's a lot of little things like that. You know, moisture, you know, uh, you know, every evening you get that precipitation off the ocean. Oh, yeah. uh, Wear and tear on the gear, sound ordinances, you know, because you're outside. Most cities have sound ordinances. You can't go past 10 o'clock. Yet. 10 o'clock p.m., boom, shut it down. It, well, in fact, some venues actually have it where, and this is things that, you know, as a wedding couple, I hope you're taking notes. Uh, some ve- venues, I mean, when I plug in, you know, to certain outlets and they designate the space, uh, if you go over a certain decibel, there's a little yeah, decibel meter on, 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 a, on a post someplace. If you go over that decibel, it, turns the power of your equipment off. <laughs> oh, wow. So wow, make you change your ways pretty quickly. It, it does. So the sound thing is, is, is kind of a big deal. And, and, you know, if you have a couple who really wants that bass, well, I can tell you that bass ain't happening. So uh, yeah, we, we had um, a client recently, this was, I think last week, actually, um, it was sort of an indoor outdoor uh, place out in the mountains in Virginia and uh, they have a noise ordinance, and um, they uh, they will shut you down. Same way, it um, you, oh, you cannot bring a sub. You cannot bring a sub. So you need to know these things ahead of time, and that's all about calling your venue prior to going out there, especially if it's outdoors. So don't don't waste the time in bringing your sub because that sub, those low notes really travel, you know. Right. And then another thing is, is I, I work with a lot more wedding planners. I would say on the East Coast, because I, you know, most places already have their, you know, venue coordinator or venue person that's already at the venue. Uh, and, and you work with that same person pretty consistently. So you get to develop that, you know, that kind of that relationship, that trust, you know, what they, what they're, what they can do, what they can't do. We're out here. I kind of work with a different wedding coordinator all the time. And, it, and sometimes, you know, I, I don't know how, how the the barrier of entry for wedding planners is so easy. I mean, maybe I just don't understand. I don't get it. But it, it just seems like if you can do work a, an Excel document, all of a sudden you can be a wedding planner. I, I don't I don't understand how that's possible, but it is. And as a wedding DJ, I mean, there's just certain things. It's about transitions. It's about making one transition to the next thing. And sometimes some of the things that they come up with, it just makes me want to scratch my head. So um, well, they don't understand. Being behind 
the table. It's a different deal when you're behind it. I mean, to write something on paper and go, this is the way it's going to go down. And then the night of, you know, you got maybe 200 people that have been drinking for three hours. Yeah, good luck with that planning. They're going to do what they're really going to do what they want to do. And sometimes the only thing you can do is like a surfer being on a wave is just ride the wave. Don't fight it. Don't try and go against the current. That that would be my advice. At this point, the best thing we can do is just ride it out because you you can't dictate to, you know, 100, 200 people after there's a point of sort of, of no return. Early on in the evening, my rule of thumb is all formalities, the earlier, the further into your event you go, the less attention span you have of your guest. That to me is a golden rule. So get the formalities out of the way. The sooner... I think the better, they don't have to be immediately, but once you get into the meat of a reception, if you're in the two and a half hour mark and you got your dance floor packed and people have been drinking, it's going to go the way it goes. I wouldn't try and uh, micromanage the, um, the people at that point. Absolutely. And, and, and like I said, some wedding planners have different strengths and weaknesses. And another reason why I work with an assistant, because sometimes, I mean, I'll be doing, we'll be doing stuff. It's time to, you know, you know, if they're, if the couple opted to have a cake or, you know, uh, their first scoop or to do any of these wedding, you know, wedding kind of traditions, which are kind of, kind of slipping away a little bit, but if they want to do any of those things, all of a sudden, where's the, where, where's the planner at? Oh, oh, they're gone. Where did they go? I, I don't know where they went. You know, then you got to find the photographer. Cause you know, if you don't get it on video or if I don't get a photo of it, it never happens. So that means you, you, I can't do it without them. But then having that assistant helps me break away and make sure I either my assistant goes, finds them or I go find them while, you know, so we can we can get that that stuff kind of you know kind of done. But uh, it, again, you know, it, it, I, there are certain people I enjoy to work with, and there are certain venues out here that um, when I was in Washington D.C., I'd never really had this kind of rule. But out here, there are certain venues. If if you don't work with, if I don't get hired with a specific you know wedding planner, then forget it. I don't want to do the job because there are certain results that I want. You know, I feel like every event I do is 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 just as important as the next event I do, and I, I'm not willing to to, to risk getting a, a a low wedding score um, because you know f- for for whatever reason I, I want to do my very best at every single job, and 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 deliver on my promise. That's what's important to me. Yeah, I think the one thing that is constant for every wedding reception is the DJ or band uh, or DJ, at least for us, I'm a DJ. So I'm speaking from a DJ's point of view is that um, we're the constant. We're the ones either, you know, emceeing master of ceremony or uh, DJing. They don't know who the wedding planner. The guests don't know who the wedding planner is. They don't know who the caterer is. They don't know who the florist is. They don't know who the, uh, the cake person is. They, we're the ones out in front and center. So we're the one constant. So to get back to what I think the topic is today is for us to, you know, divulge as much information to the clients that are getting married and um, give them as much information and help them with the timeline and give them the, um, the, uh, what I think is, um, you know, maybe, it's not a question of right or wrong. It's like, oh, if you do introductions, if you do your first dance after 
dinner, is it wrong? No, I don't think it's wrong, but I think it's a little more, um, I think it delivers a little bit more power when you do it up front, right initially, once you got the intros, because they're fresh, you know, everybody's fresh. You got the wedding party up there. I think it's more effective is what I'm trying to say. Well, not to mention, but she has, her makeup is fresh. Her hair is fresh. She's not- She's just, you know, if, you, if you're eating and you spill on yourself, I mean, th- to me, it's just knock that stuff out in the beginning, let your hair down, switch out your shoes, put on, you know, put on your, your, you know, your, your flip flops or your chanclas, whatever, whatever you want to call them. And, uh, you know, and, and, and have a good time. I mean, you're around your friends, your family, relax. I mean, that that's the whole point. You're celebrating both you guys together as a couple and, and relax have a good time that's what it's about but but i think when we sit with them initially especially in the planning meeting and we go over this stuff that we don't just sit in the planning meeting they go okay this is what we want and you just go okay and you don't give them any feedback you got to give them feedback good bad or indifferent i i'll flat out say to my client i if you want to do this i will do it i will absolutely do it i'm not going to sit here and tell you what to do but if you do this realize that this could be a consequence, could be based on the years that I've been doing. I'm a percentage guy. If I know that there's a 90% chance a tree's going to fall out of my head when I walk out of my door tomorrow, I'm probably not going to walk out the front door. I'm going to go out the back door. Okay. So I think our job is to inform them and, and, and then instill confidence in them. And I think when a newlyweds walk into that room from that first introduction, and they know that they're in good hands and you're doing what you said you would do. You're doing what you said you were going to do. And things are going the way that you pretty much predicted based on your knowledge and experience. They have a level of confidence in you. And that's what's important to them as well. When they're sitting there going, oh, my God, you know, if you botched the first uh, dance, if you wrecked you know, three quarters of the names when you're introing. By the time they hit their first dance, believe me, when they're sitting there and they're eating their salads, they're looking up going, oh my God, is this guy going to get us through the rest of this wedding? So I think that all starts in the planning meeting when you instill confidence in them and and offer them advice on how they're going to go. Listen to them, have them, uh, and listen to you as well from your experience. Um, although, like I said, this is what we do for a living. They don't. And I, I think a lot of them rely on us for that. And it's very important that we know what they're going through and we, we instill that level of confidence in them that they go, man, we're, we're glad we hired this guy or and, gal. And, and Matt, that's the main reason why I wanted to do the Wedding Zilla podcast. I wanted to pick real Wedding Zillas and I call them Wedding Zillas as true professionals in the wedding industry that know what they're doing. They've been there, they've done that and kind of communicate to couples and, and, and to, to give them a little bit of ammunition on when you're selecting those wedding vendors or you're making decisions about your wedding, you know, or your event, even if you're, you know, just trying to plan an event that uh, you have hopefully a, a well-rounded understanding of, of, of how things kind of work. And, I'm just glad that you you said yes to me to being on this podcast because I, I definitely look up to you. I mean, you kind of you trained me, you know, as well, and um, I, I know you're a, a top tier in your market. Uh, so I, I, I that that was really my my the whole reason why I wanted to start the Weddingzilla podcast uh, was to talk about you know people that are actually in the trade in the trenches doing things and actually give you real advice and up to date of. What, what what the wedding trends are happening? What real things are couples doing right now? Yeah, and that, and that could differ from 
state to state or region to region. But um, and that's um, the reason why we have people from across the nation. We're going to be having on our show, right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. We look forward. We're going to have some really uh, great guests, aren't we? Down the line, we'll get some. Uh, we'll Actually, get I have some, some really good guests lined up. Uh, I just wanted to get some podcasts kind of out there because there's some other people that I'm kind of courting that I want on the podcast that I think are really important. And I know that they're kind of shy and uh, about tooting their own horn or talking about their their, their certain uh, ac- aspect of, 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 of their wedding. But uh, I think once they actually hear the podcast and being able to share some of their information, they'll be on it. So, Matt, I think we're about 40 minutes. I try to typically be around 30, but I felt like we, we had a pretty good t- conversation today. So I, I think that's it, right? Yep, that's it. That's a wrap for uh, this uh, prod, uh, podcast, and uh, we'll pick a different topic next time and uh, hopefully give out some good information there for some newlyweds that are, you know, planning to get married somewhere down the line here. All right, and we're out. Everything and everyone you need to hear while planning your wedding. Tons of resources are on our website, too. And you can submit ideas for future episodes. Visit TheWeddingZilla.com. TheWeddingZilla.com. And stay connected. Stay connected on Facebook and Instagram. At TheWeddingZilla. At TheWeddingZilla. TheWeddingZilla Podcast.